BAM Radio Network. What about the teacher who's afraid of failure, him or herself? We all want to perform a certain way and we want to make things everything neat and pretty, but life isn't neat or pretty. Welcome to Student Centricity, Practical Strategies for Teaching with Students at the Center. I'm Ray Pika. Risk is part of life, but these days we're living in such a risk-averse of society that kids are more often taught to be careful than to be creative or courageous. Perhaps nowhere is this more evident than in school. So today I'm asking Anissa Ramirez, Peter DeWitt, and Jill Berkowitz how teachers can buck that trend and help students learn to take reasonable risks. Anissa, you wrote an article on the importance of failure in which you said that children are innately risk-takers, but that risk-taking is being squelched in the classroom. Expand on that just a bit for us, please. What I said in the article is that we teach children to be averse to risk because we want them to have one answer and we don't want them to be uh, wrong. And so they grow up with a fear of being wrong. And creativity actually embraces that we fail because that's how you get more information about the next thing or what you should do further. Indeed. Peter, your article indicated that if students aren't taking risks, then perhaps it's our fault and not theirs. Do tell us what you mean by that. Uh, I, I just feel like sometimes we talk a lot about the ability for students to take risks, but it's not anything that we model within the classroom. And I agree with what was just said, is that so often we're looking for one answer from a student and they're looking and we're looking at making sure that students are compliant in what they're learning and that doesn't really foster risk taking. Uh, no, indeed it does not. Compliance. Jill, why do you think students aren't taking risks in the classroom? Yeah, I agree. I agree with Peter and Anissa that the problem is we're teaching the wrong behavior and part of that is we're also not teaching our teachers to be risk takers. And students learn by watching the adults so that the culture of the building seeps into the classrooms and the teachers practice. And the more they get pressured to have kids get the right answer, the less they themselves are willing to take risks. Behaviors are all learned, children and adults. Yes, absolutely. And Jill, do you see it in any way related to the bubble wrapping of kids that's going on outside of school? Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. The thing is that over the past many, many years, there's become, I think actually since uh, Eitan Tate was kidnapped and never returned, I think parents over the years have become very frightened for safety for their children. Stranger danger is perhaps a good thing, but it also prevents children from exploring on their own and dealing with each other in social places and in schools as well. Parents are overprotective of children coming up against bad experiences, and we're not teaching children how to negotiate them. So that, I do think, is a contributor to the lack of risk-taking as well. Yeah, agreed. So it's time for some advice. I want to ask each of you what number one change you'd like teachers to make so that their students will be more willing to take reasonable risks in the classroom. Anissa, what number one change would you like teachers to make? I would encourage teachers to consider building failure clubs. Failure mm -hmm. clubs are when people will report out something that didn't work out, but you don't stop there. You report out what did you learn from the event so that we defang the concept of failure, but we reframe it as an opportunity to collect data or to get information. Ah, oh, what an interesting idea. Peter, what number one change would you like to make? have teachers make? The number one change I would like to see teachers make is uh, something that I've been writing about lately. It's based on James Nottingham, who's based in the UK. His work is called The Learning Pit, and mm -hmm. it's a whole idea of teaching children and adults that sometimes learning is very hard, 
and that they're going to get dirty and they have to find their way out. And it really is based in resilience and, and a lot of other things. So the learning pit is something is a fantastic analogy I think teachers could use in the classroom. Okay. And Jill? I would like to see teachers take more risks as models, and I think we need to move away from summative finality in terms of how we define failure because the learning continuum should be viewed as a 13-year continuum. So how can you possibly really fail? It's just information like what's given in the failure club to say, what is it that I need to do to continue my learning? Somehow we put up this wall, you either make it or break it, and it's not motivational and it doesn't help kids move ahead and it does everything that we don't want it to do. So I think we need to look at grades that way. Mm, Good point. Well, Anissa, what about the teacher who's afraid of failure, him or herself? What one first step can he or she take to start getting past that? Well, just on a smaller level, I'm I'm a proponent of STEM, and STEM is based on trial and error. And to be quite honest, trial and error is just a fancy way to say fail a lot. (laughs) If you just do an experiment or two, things don't work out, the data doesn't look right, someone knocks things over, don't scold students for those things, but just make them embrace that this is what happens in life and we can learn from it. So on a smaller scale, it could just be uh, a small event like that that happens. Well, so often teachers are really hard on themselves. You know, what if they find themselves scolding themselves all the time? That's correct. I actually think that it is part of the culture as well, that we all want to perform a certain way and we want to make things, everything neat and pretty, but life isn't neat or pretty. So I do think it's a larger cultural thing, but, you know, to answer your question for a small event, if something breaks then let's use this as an opportunity to say, okay, these things happen, and not uh, and let it be a little different than the culture that children usually experience. All righty. Peter, how can a teacher help a kid move from a fixed mindset in which she's afraid to fail to a growth mindset that allows her to take risks? <laughs> and you want that in two minutes, you, Yes, right? please. <laughs> you know, I, I think that, that our, our words matter. I think it's one conversation at a time. I think it's a classroom climate, just like it's a school climate. All of those actions and all of those conversations add up to something much larger. So it it really sort of piggybacks on what everybody else is saying, because it's the whole idea that day by day, from morning till the afternoon, the way that the teacher models in front of the student and the conversations that they have around the failure that generally happens in school every single day and is supposed to happen, I think what they do with that is is supposed to be really important in that. That alone models for the students. All righty. And Jill, how does a teacher convince a student who's been bubble wrapped all his life that risks are worth taking? I think this goes back to what, you know, what we all said and what, what I said earlier, and that is that this culture must exist in the school. So this is a way that teachers can empower each other and manage up and go to the principal or the building leader and say, I need to be able to work with my kids to take risks in their learning, and I need for this building to support me in risk-taking in my classroom. So how can we all work together to make this an experience that will empower me to be a better risk-taker, to help my children be a better risk-taker? That's a tall order. Anissa, do you think that, uh, that that's, you know, doable for a teacher? I think it's difficult to do, but I think it's baby steps as we're reporting out. You know, I think we need to tell children, okay, if we show them another way besides the bubble wrap experience that they had, that, you know, where they're afraid to try, and if we encourage them that trying is part of the whole process, 
they'll get information that there may be a different way. So I do think it's cultural, and it's, it's by example, as we've been saying over and over again. But we have to have an example of it. Otherwise, we'll continue to go on this path that's not useful. All right. And Peter, what can teachers do to help parents relax a little bit? I mean, there is no group of people easier to scare. As you know, as Jill was mentioning, they're they're really frightened these days. Anything you think teachers can do? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where you you know the use of social media is really important in opening up your school walls, so parents see what learning really looks like within the classroom. Because I think sometimes they have this perception that it still looks, and maybe in many cases it does, still looks like the way it looked when they were when they were kids. And I think it's really important that if we're going to model this kind of behavior that we're taking pictures and we're doing things that we can share on social media or at least with our communication home to parents. Um, You know, I remember a conversation I had with a parent who was all worried about their child coming into the principal's office when I was a principal. And they actually pointed to my office and said, I never want you to have to go there. And I said, please don't Mm -hmm. ever say that because everybody needs a tune-up. Everybody needs a conversation. And you know, the way we communicate through this is, is something that's really important. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anissa, Peter, and Jill. This is a topic that, you know, is one of my pet peeves, so I really appreciate your addressing it today with me. As Anissa wrote, children are meant to be risk takers. There are infinite benefits to kids being allowed to take risks, and there are infinite problems resulting from the lack of opportunity to take them. Kids who grow up afraid of risk will not be problem solvers. They will not be resilient. They will certainly not be able to handle risk, which is inherent in life when it comes along. Many, in truth, will crumble. And children raised in a culture of fear? Well, that's just asking for trouble. Talk to any counselor at a college or university today, and they'll tell you that they've never seen more students unable to function on their own. So what's the real risk here? We asked our guests to give us the most important points they want you to garner from this discussion. You can read their closing comments and big takeaways, as well as access additional resources by clicking the takeaways button on your screen now. This has been Ray Pico with Student Centricity, offering practical strategies for teaching with students at the center. Thank you for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.